What's going on? This is Off the Track with CJ Ecolano. Welcome to the show. Episode number eight, we were talking to a man that I was lucky to call a teammate for a few years during our time at Robert Morris University. A guy who is used to being on the go, that lived in nine different homes growing up in three different states since graduating from college. He has bounced around between different career paths before finally finding a resting spot just outside of Buffalo, New York, while working in education over the past 10 years and making many connections along the way. Here we have Derek Mears, the current Dean of Students at the Charter School for Applied Technologies in Buffalo, New York. What is up, man? Not too much, big guy. Uh, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. How are things going with you? Uh, have a snow day here. It's uh, recording this on February 18th, so we have a snow day here right now. And it's not just any snow day. It's a, it's a snow birthday for you out here, too. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. Oh, man, it's a happy birthday, big guy. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get into the main topic about changing career paths and that oh sh moment you had when you realized the career you chose in college is not the career path you ended up on. But you were born and raised in Carlisle, PA, between Carlisle and Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, initially, but ended up in a little town called Waynesburg, Pennsylvania, and you didn't even attend Robert Morris University your freshman year. So tell me about, you know, your high school career, because I know you played some other another sport, and uh, your recruiting story to RMU. Yeah, so, I mean, back in high school, I was a uh, three-sport uh, three athlete, that little town, little coal mining town. We, did, we had a pretty solid football team, played basketball, and then I ran track and field. Um, and it's actually funny because whenever I – came into high school, I was a pretty good baseball player. And then all of a sudden I got the yips and couldn't, I literally couldn't throw the ball correctly from second, even to, from second base to first, it was going on to, so it got a little crazy. So track and field kind of ended up being a, uh, a random happenstance that, you know, I didn't know was going to happen for me in my freshman year. And I started to kind of excel with it. Um, I had it down like my first few years, just doing pretty much shot put discus and javelin. And then um, my uh, or sorry, my junior year, I actually messed up my throwing shoulder and I had to do a lot of the running events because I couldn't compete most of the season. Um, it, it ended up being great for me because it got me in excellent shape for football season. Right. Ran a 400, did some long jump, did some 4 by one did some 4 by 4 did a little bit of everything. Uh, and then was still able to – I ended up being able to, to qualify for states in shot put and discus still uh, – or sorry, just shot put that year – uh, on our, uh, our regional meet, uh, the, the qualifier. So I, I, I happened out, I lucked out and essentially got to, co to compete in three event, three uh, meets throughout the season, um, qualified there, and kind of took off from there. I excelled. I still hold the school record for shot put. Uh, nice. did, did reasonably well my uh, my senior year, medaled in both shot and disc at States. You know, wasn't anything great, but I've always been considered a smaller thrower anyway. In comparison to most of the big guys, I think that the, a lot of it, a lot of me was just like technique and explosion. So I, I was fortunate there. After high school, I went over to uh, Canisius College and I uh, did both football and track and field my freshman year. But midway through football season, they actually told us uh, it was like Halloween weekend. They said, hey, by the way, we're cutting both programs. 
Uh, you can either stay and stay on whatever scholarship you have, or you can try and, you know, go through the recruiting process again. And I still wanted to compete at that point in time. So I, uh, my, my next steps were kind of to go through that same exact recruiting process that I did my throughout high school. So I had to go back on, do some more visits and kind of see where I wanted to go. Um, it kind of came down to my, my last three that I was looking between was Butler university uh, out in uh, Indiana then Duquesne and Robert Morris and uh, ended up going on my visit to Butler, liked it there, just didn't quite feel right at the end of my visit. And then I went to Robert Morris, I met Sarge, I met Coach Smith, took me around the campus. I made a, I had a really strong connection there. Um, and I honestly ended up canceling my visit to Duquesne because I didn't feel like going through like the going back and forth business. Right. So. I, uh, I stuck with my guns and went to uh, Robert Morris and the rest, uh, as you know, is history at this point. And uh, you, you talked about coach Smith and, and uh, Sarge. So tell me about the relationship that you had with those two, as well as Nash near the end of your career. So I would say Nash, I had a very like minimal relationship with, I mean, I think I made, I made more, I, I became more of a friend of his, after I left school and came back and visited a few times and, you know, got to talk with him a little bit more that way rather than me, you know, competing with him. Right. Um, so like he, cause he was more with on the, on the women's side, I believe at that point in time, helping out there and kind of all over the place. Right. And so I was more focused. My relationship was more focused with Sarge and then with, with coach Smith. I mean, Sarge, obviously I had a, a very strong relationship with, I mean, I think he, our personalities kind of mesh pretty well because we're both pretty outspoken and loud and a little crazy at times. Um, but he was always just really great. You know, he was very passionate and, you know, I think that I kind of, you know, it kind of brought me toward him more, you know? And so I, I, I always wanted to do well for him because he always tried to do really well for I helped us to do as, as well as we could do. Um, and then on, with Coach Smith, you know, I, he was one of those guys where you really loved to – he would give you enough heckling to kind of get under your skin and kind of pump you up a little bit and kind of try and prove him wrong. Yep. Um, and uh, definitely pushed me in different – pushed buttons different ways than Sarge did. So I think that they both together, you know, formed a good coaching unit and uh, were able to get the most out of us as athletes across the board. So – at the end of the day, I'm I'm happy with my uh, my final decision going back to Robert Moore, going to Robert Morris as a uh, as a sophomore as a transfer. Oh yeah, and Coach Smith and Sarge Sarge were were great, uh, and even Corn Coach Woy, uh, she, mm -hmm. she she was she too was also pretty cool, and she would heckle with anyone and everyone, not just her jumpers. Uh, so that was always fun to kind of go back and forth with all three of them, and obviously I was Nash was still with was with me a little longer since I'm a um, little younger than you are. So, and I dealt with him um, straight up with sprints. So, but you yeah. talked about sprinting as a, as an athlete and um, how you are one of a, the smaller throwers, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what the throwers, you know, you can train them like sprinters, right. And cause you guys are all explosive athletes. And I tell my girls all the time that, the throwers might be the best athletes on our team because they're so powerful, so explosive, and they just have to have an open mind to be willing to continue to grow. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I mean, it's one of those situations that, you know, if you expand your possibilities, essentially, you're trying different things out, 
you never know what you're going to be able to achieve. I mean, I think a lot of the throwers in my, you know, in my experience have been multi-sport athletes yep. and they, so they are preparing a lot of them being bigger or like offensive, defensive linemen and football. Uh, and so they have to be explosive off the line. They have to be powerful. And so that's where, you know, you just have to have that extra, that extra oomph, I guess. Right, right. And they have to have good feet work. And, you know, being a thrower, you have to have excellent footwork as well uh, and extremely good balance. Yep. So they, they all kind of tie in together. And it was, you know, I, for me, it was something that I, I think that I excelled pretty well at. Um, I wish that I could have done a little bit better overall, but, you know, I think I held my own uh, throughout my years in college. So I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied at the end of the day. <laughs> You're not going to find too many throwers that actually run the 400 like you d- used to do back in high school. <laughs> no, this is true. This is true. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and to be put on our our, I was on the number one four by one for our team, and uh, the number one four by four for that year. Yeah. Um, and then I just got kind of thrown in whatever. I you know at the end of the day, I was trying to help my team win. Oh yeah, I think that I've always kind of had that mindset that anything that I can do to help us win, I'll do. There, were, I mean, there were meets that I would actually tell my coach, listen, don't have me throw because we have other throwers that can win this meet, right? And we can place. And have me compete something in something else where I can steal a point here or steal three points there or whatever in just a dual meets that is, you know. So um, I tried to, again, help out where I could, when I could uh, for the betterment of the team. You know, it's just kind of like I said, my been my mentality throughout my entire life. So, oh, yeah. So, you know, the thrower squad throughout your uh, tenure at Robert Morris was a pretty dominant um, unit and it was always fun to watch you all. So what do you remember the most from your time on the team? Uh, you know, I think that there, there's a lot of different memories that, that really come into play. And I think that when I look back, the camaraderie was the biggest piece of it. You know, uh, as you know, when you're with certain people for such long periods of time, they become family to you. I mean, uh, Joe Clotter being my roommate, he wasn't a thrower, but there were times where he became an honorary thrower. Right. Yep. But then you had, you know, Big Kev and Aaron Gursky and G. You knew G, right? Yep. Yep. So, so like all these guys on the on the guy side, Jared Wasser, I mean, Nikki Downing, Christina, Christina Robin, you know, Stephanie Kuhn, all excelled and did really well. And we all kind of pushed each other. We would all challenge each other on a daily basis, have different competitions in practice. And I think it just made each of us better along the way. You know, it, it pushed us to try and excel where we could because we did have a strong throw squad. It made us even better, I felt, at our meets, too. Um, you know, I think on top of that, you know, our dedication to the team and, and wanting to perform well, um, not only for ourselves, but for the team was a big piece of it, too. Uh, and we had we had a great a great cheerleader in Sarge and him constantly wanting the best for us and finding different ways to help us improve and you know being open minded to like suggestions and and like this is working here or that and he would go back and forth on it but I mean it was it was just a great atmosphere and a great opportunity to grow and learn and, and be around such great people you know I mean a lot of you guys I still stay in contact with and I think that's part of it. these these people that you meet in your life that you kind of come across and you know everything twice about and there's other people that you come across you meet and have an impact on your life and they stay with you for a long time um you know i feel like our group we can kind of catch up really quickly on things and it's not like this awkward 
thing where we have to kind of be sitting and hemming and hawing about things. Uh, I think that this, that, that kind of speaks volumes to who we, who we are and who we were and that we've still maintained a good solid foundational friendship. Um, so like, I, I miss those things, but, you know, I do have some great memories of, you know, for myself throwing, I mean, I didn't, I didn't score big points all the time, but, you know, I had a couple big meets that, you know, I really felt pumped up for like our conference championships and stuff like that. Um, and I was able to excel with, I think the, like a cheering section, essentially, I, you know, I mean, it, it, the biggest, the funnest memory I had was my sophomore year coming in and we went to our conference meet indoor conferences. I had been doing the spin for most of the uh, indoor season and we come to conferences and I literally, my second throw changed to back to my glide. And I had my best P I had my PR for the season right then and there. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and I ended up quite, I, I made it to the finals and everything else. And I was happy with it. And it, but it just, it was like one of those moments, you know, whenever as a sprinter or a jumper, you know, where they're clapping, they got everything going on and you're just getting all pumped up for the situation, whatever it is. And it just gives you that extra oomph. We, there was a race going on. I can't remember if it was a, a 400 or a 200. Everyone was cheering. And there was a runner or a, uh, sorry, a jumper going through. They were doing the clap for him. And I was up and everything was just like slow motion for me, feeling the vibes. And I just cranked it out. And so it was just like, that was a really fun, awesome memory for me and great experience. And it was just like, it just kind of makes me think back to how much fun track and field actually is. Because a lot of people don't get that true feel for it. Oh, yeah. They don't have that cl that close connectedness, you know, in high school and everything. It's a little bit different. It's a little, you know, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. But when you get to college, it becomes more of a family and a team, in my opinion, because you are so dedicated to it. So speaking of team and friendships and just kind of what you miss about it all, I mean, we, we were all pretty tight and pretty close. And uh, you were the man behind all the guys getting together on the Zoom calls uh, <laughs> back, you know, almost a year ago now we kind of started that. So what inspired that? Uh, you know, I think there was uh, a few things. I mean, obviously everyone's kind of just buried in their home and there was not a whole lot to do, but you got to try and find time for the people that you haven't talked to. I mean, for myself, I'm an only child. So I think that a lot of my like, like desire to be around people is because I've never really had siblings growing up. Uh, so I've always reached out to friends who've become like my extended family. And so while I was cooped up in my house for all that time, you know, some of my coworkers, uh, we started doing some little get togethers similar to that outside of work. And I said to myself, you know, who haven't I spoken to in a while? I want to get those people on the horn and, and try and, uh, get reconnected because this is an opportune time for us to do that considering no one's doing anything. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and I'm super happy that we had the opportunity to do it. I mean, it was, it's been great. Now, obviously, it's been a little bit more difficult now with everyone back to work. But um, for the times that we've had, you know, it's been great. And I think that, you know, hopefully we can maintain uh, some of those conversations. I just literally got off the phone with Joe before this saying, hey, when's our next one going to be? Yep. And uh, we're looking. You got Things got kind of tossed up a little bit this week. Um uh, on my schedule. So I forgot to throw it out there, but I'm thinking maybe next week early, if at all possible. But, um, you know, I think it's just crucial for us all as, as people in general to maintain these relationships, to, to keep our, our mind off of the other 
stuff that's going on in the world. I mean, it kind of just clears our mind and gives us something to look forward to. So, yep. I agree. It's been awesome to catch up and kind of just check in on everyone. It's, I think it's crucial as well. But now you have, uh, you were only trial, but you actually have two little ones running around now. So are you still involved <laughs> in track and field or better? So I, I, I wish that I was. I wish that I was. I mean, my, it's been really tough for me um, to try and continue down that path. But uh, unfortunately, right now, it's not really in the cards for me. It hasn't been in the cards for a while just because the other bit, the other bit of it is the school that I do work in or the two different schools that I have worked in um, have – later hours and because they're also charter schools um, don't typically have a track team attached with them. So it makes, I've looked into trying to help out and being parts of a, a coaching team uh, close by to my house, but most of their practices and stuff would be over by the time that I would even get to them or finishing up by that time. So it just honestly doesn't make sense until I actually get into a district close by to my home. So okay. we'll see. We'll see. Only time will tell, right? All right. That's right. So, yeah, we're going to get into uh, the actual topic of changing career paths. But I got one more question for you before we. Yes, sir. Um, what's up with the love, your love for the Green Bay Packers? Well, I mean, who's your team, right? You, you're, you're a Steelers guy, right? Or are you Ravens? No, I can't Ravens, remember which one. Ravens. My wife's a Steelers fan. Oh, so she's the better fan. Okay, that's perfect. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know. It's actually funny because my dad, he was a Packers fan um, since the 60s. And so living in Pennsylvania, obviously, in central PA, you know, you're split between, you know, Pittsburgh and Philly. And his whole family lives in Philly, in the Philly area, and they're all Eagles fans. But he maintained the Packers fandom for years. Um, I'd say when I was, like, really young, maybe up through second, third grade, I would bounce around to whoever was winning. Um and then after that, you know, my dad kind of started talking to me more about football and I got into it. And so things haven't changed since then. So it's been a Packers fan since I think maybe like fourth grade or something along those lines. And um, been out to Green Bay probably, I want to say, seven or eight times for games, a couple of playoff games thrown in there. Um, but it's, it's a great um, fan base. You know, it, they travel well. The people are extremely nice. I mean, I feel like I fit right in when I'm out there. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt that they're a successful team, too. So it makes them much easier to root for, you know? Right. So, but that's where it all came from. Well, we're recording this on February 18th. And uh, breaking news, Carson Wentz is now Indianapolis Colts. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I I actually predicted that that was going to happen. Yeah. I'd be curious to see the details of all the contract and everything, considering he had such a massive overhaul of dead cap space. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, he got. I thought uh, it's a third round pick, I think, and a second round conditional pick. So just the pick, they just exchanged picks for for uh, Wentz. But I'm sure there's you know money talking there too. So there has to be because he had like a sixty million dollar cap hit. So <laughs> there's got to be some more talk on that. <laughs> so. Uh, Derek, you were always, uh, at least to me, a natural-born leader, someone that was so easy to talk with, an infectious smile, and a personality full of joy. You always lit up the room or the track when you were around, and everyone, younger or older, just seemed to gravitate to you. So the role you're in now as a dean of students is perfect for you. But tell me what your degree was in when you graduated from Robert Morris and then kind of where you went from there. 
Well, first off, thanks for that compliment, man. It's great. I, I love hearing that. But uh, my, my degree initially was actually in sports management. Um, you know, uh, being this sports guy growing up, I said, you know what? I want to get into sports. I don't know what I want to do, but I want to get into sports because I love sports and that's what I want to do. And that's my life. And that was kind of my role because initially I actually got talked out of going into education by a couple of different people. Um, so I was like, sports management it is. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to um, make some connections and I ended up getting a job working for the Orlando Magic, doing ticket sales for them right out of college. So it was like all the stars were kind of aligning. I was making these connections and making these relationships and moving down and doing this and that and everything else. And it was working great. The organization was phenomenal. I mean, I was surrounded by all former collegiate athletes. So we were all super competitive with one another. You know, we would play sports with one another, both at work, outside of work. You know, it was, you know, it was a great atmosphere uh, for someone coming straight out of college. And it was it was a truly outstanding organization, and I'm very happy that I had the opportunity to be a part of it. Um, I had an outstanding year there, and uh, at the end of it all, I just at the end of it, it wasn't just I wasn't really happy, you know. And so, kind of take a look inside myself and see what's what's going on because, you know, even though I was successful, I just wasn't passionate about it. And I think that's where you know you got to kind of figure out what's going on. Do you want to continue to pursue this or not? I mean, maybe had I gotten into football, it would have changed. But because of the basketball, I wasn't a huge basketball fan, but I took the opportunity because it was a job within my field and I felt like it was the right thing to do. So no regrets. It uh, changed me and helped me to become who I am today. So I can't complain. How long were you down in Orlando? So I was there for a little over a year. Um, hit my sales goals, went on a trip with them, did all these fun things with the organization. And, you know, the team made the playoffs. So it was an extra little cool atmosphere thing there. But um, like I said, just ended up my Flory, who uh, we were still just dating at the time. She uh, wasn't su- wasn't truly happy out there. And at the end of the day, I wasn't really happy either. So um, we made the decision together to come back up north. And, you know, we moved to the – to Clarence, New York, which is just outside of Buffalo, which is where her family's from. And um, this is where we've kind of been ever since. Okay. So in one of my episodes, Coach Matt Booth talked about a compelling life mission. And in a way, you were unhappy with the way your career mission was headed. We discussed having a willingness to have an open mind and willingness to continue to grow, something you have adapted to well. But once you made the decision to change it up, what happened from there? Oh man. Well, let me tell you, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. You know, you look back and see all these different, uh, different experiences you have in your life. And honestly, you know, when I came back here to this area or up to this area, I mean, it was one of the most depressing years of my life just because first off, I wasn't really motivated at that point. Cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I took the f- first few months back and I literally traveled around visiting friends where I could, you know, Pittsburgh, went down to Florida, went or not down to Florida, went down to uh, Arizona, uh, parts of New York. I just, I was going wherever I could. And I think I was honestly, uh, if I think back on it, I think that I was actually just trying to avoid <laughs> going and getting a job. Right, right. But, but finally, as you continue doing that, you, you spending all this money and magically your bank account dwindles down pretty quickly. <laughs> So 
needless to say, I needed to get a job. And honestly, I just, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I bounced around. I hope oh, I found a job at Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, and I was honestly the guy, I was like the janitor slash guy who uh, took care of all the stuff getting off the trucks in the morning time. So I was showing up and I would help out cleaning throughout the aisles and stuff like that. I did, I did the dirty work and I was there doing that for a few months, um, made good friendships with a few people there that they, they I was there at five in the morning with and, you know, continue moving on. And then uh, there was an opening at a bigger, a bigger store down the road from us that um, it was one of like the sales leads position where it was in charge of the fitness department, a few others. Uh, so a few months later, I ended up getting that role. So I jumped from one to one position to another and basically became like an assistant manager with the store. Um, and I was there, I can't remember how long exactly, maybe, maybe two years, but again, still looking at this, like, man, I have no idea what I want to do because this is not it. And so Flory, and she's like, you need to try and find something else that you like to do. She talked to me, maybe going to education. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. There's not enough money because I think that was one of the, the key components for me that I've been talked out of originally going into education. There's not enough money. You're not going to make a good living, blah, blah, blah. And so listening to all these naysayers in the back of my mind, I moved forward and it's like, okay, I was looking for something else. She ended up, her family had a connection with a guy who ended up getting me an interview at a travel nursing company, huh. right? That- you're like, what, what's travel nursing? Okay, well, you know, it's this whole other thing where I'm making phone calls. So, but I ended up going over there interviewing and I seem to interview pretty well because I think as you touched upon, like I, I think I do have an infectious personality. I think it also comes because I'm pretty loud. So people just come, kind of come over and see what I'm doing. Might not make any sense what I'm doing, but just because I'm loud, <laughs> it kind of works out sometimes. But uh, uh, so I ended up getting this position. And honestly, it was another interesting role, uh, something different. Uh, there was a lot of opportunity for growth, a lot of opportunity to make a lot of money. Uh, but also the travel nursing industry that year ended up taking like the biggest nosedive ever. <laughs> and so it was very difficult. Um in the sense of getting your numbers up, I was okay at it. And I'll be the first to admit, I wasn't great. I wasn't, I'm not like this hardcore salesman because that's a sense you got to sell them on the position to where they're going. Um, but it was another opportunity for growth for me, for me to experience a different side of things, to work with different people in different ways. Um, and so honestly, that was the next step for me. And once I figured out that that wasn't for me either, I talked with Flory again and she's like, you need to knock all this off. And honestly, you just need to go back to school and become a teacher. And basically, she took me by the, the shirt and slapped me around a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but um, she's like, let's just do this. I'll take it. You know, you take a year off, do your thing. And I uh, had an opportunity at that point to go back and get uh, my master's in education, elementary ed, uh, within a year. So I was full-time student. And then... Um, I ended up while I was, so she was able to support us during that time. I mean, I think that that was a big piece of the puzzle. Obviously having that support system there was huge. Oh yeah. And, and had, had she not been there, I may not have actually taken that step and taken that leap to go back because it was a scary situation, not knowing what's going to happen. Um, but she's always kind of been like a driving force for me and helping me kind of align my stars so that I could be the best person that I, that I should be, you know, reach my fullest potential. And I've always been very grateful to have her in 
in, in the back of me, like supporting me. Um, but even then too, like while I was going through that, I got enough, I picked up a part-time job, worked for the United Way, helping with their fundraising campaigns for three months as a loaned executive. Um, another great experience. I got to go out and meet do different people in different organizations in the area and uh, helped me to grow even further. So um, took that next step in my student teaching. And, you know, you talk about the relationships that you make. Honestly, I didn't even know about an interview that was supposed to take place at my school that I was student teaching at. I got a call from one of the secretaries saying, Mr. Mears, are you going to, do you want to interview for the position? Cause we just opened it up. We thought about you. I said, Oh, sure. <laughs> I interviewed. <laughs> I didn't even know about that. I woke up one morning on this phone call and she's like, well, we're interviewing today. I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> I had like nothing prepared. I, you know, and so I was able to come in. They knew me because I'd been there, had some, I had some of my stuff ready, you know, the basic, uh, just the basic stuff that, you know, you normally would bring to your interviews as a teacher, but, Literally, I was like, all right, here we go. And, um, you know, I think because I had already formed a pretty solid foundational relationship with the, the, the people that worked there, they were willing to live. They gave me the job on the spot, um, knowing I had very little experience, but they believed in who I was as a person and they knew that I would grow. And I think that that's a big piece of every, every step that I've taken in my life. You know, I might not be great at something, but give me the opportunity to grow and I'm going to get better. Um, so that's how I ended up in teaching. And I mean, I've bounced, I, I started at one charter school, bounced to another, and I've been pretty much in third grade the entire time. And then um, I worked a lot with my own school now, Charter School for Applied Technologies. And, you know, I had an opportunity to, you know, be part of a union. I was a union president there. And even at my old school, we had to unionize. And I uh, helped kind of the forefront for that because we had some pretty poor working conditions. So every different, every different experience has kind of helped me grow. Um, and so like my leadership team now, you know, the principal that I work under, she's great, you know, and, and the, the assistant principal as well, you know, we have a really strong relationship and our superintendent, he was my former principal. So I already had a great relationship with him as well. So, I mean, it, it helps to, to make these great relationships and have, have the people that you work with understand who you are as a person and, know that they're willing to work with you to help you to grow. And I think that was a big part of my uh, choosing to this other school is that they'd always talked about the, the opportunity to grow within. And that was always a, a, um, a point that I, that I always wanted to grow off or go off. Of. So, right. Relationships. I mean, they're so vital, right. And, you know, they, they put you on the fast track of your career. They could, they could, I mean, just a relationship that you build alone. So, we keep yeah. talking about that, but it, it really is so, so, so important. I mean, I'm a coach because of the relationship I had with another coach um, back in the day. So, you know, I'm, I've been here for 12 years now and, you know, other other jobs that I've had, you know, it was based on kind of who I knew and they kind of set me up for that interview. And then I also interviewed pretty mm -hmm. well, too. And, you know, look long behold he, you know here you are kind of a thing so it's yeah it's kind of crazy um your your life to be the dean of students has been one for the record books for sure uh and you're a leader to many now and a mentor to some and someone to look up to for many so therefore you need to carry yourself well so how do you approach being a leader 
How do I approach being a leader? Well, I think there's a lot of aspects in being a leader now. I mean, being an administrator at my building, you know, all eyes are on me, right? So like, it's important for me to set a great example on a daily basis, do the things that I'm expected to do. Um, got to hold myself accountable and got to be dependable um, when my staff need me. Uh, I think another big piece of it is, you know, having the ability to listen and truly hear and understand reasons why someone might be upset or reasons why someone needs something or, or whatever. Uh, and even on my side, dealing with parents, I have to listen when they're yelling at me, screaming at me that their child is being suspended or that, you know, this isn't fair or whatever else, or you guys are wrong. And, you know, it's the opportunity, having, having an open mind, having the, the, the willingness to listen and truly understand what, where they're coming from enables me to then kind of make my answer or, or work with them more closely and how to, to fix the situation or, or right the ship. Um, and so like, I, I think that is crucial uh, on the other side of it too, is I'm always going to admit if I'm oh, wrong yeah. and I'll be the first, I'll be the first to do it because at the end of the day, if I sit there and try and, jump around and say this, that, and 28 different things, it's just going to make things worse. So I'm, I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong because I have to learn from my mistakes just like everyone else. And, and hopefully I don't do it again. Um, I think another big piece of where I'm at now, I, I look at, because I work with staff members who I was teammates with. Now it's a slightly different relationship and rapport I don't want someone to kind of try and step all over me um, because we're friends prior to me kind of being not their boss, but kind of over right. them. Um, but I have to be honest with them and I have to have strong conversations and have open. I, I, I always pride myself on having an open door policy, like come and talk to me about anything. I don't care what it is. And if it's something that you got going on at home, if you got something going on in your classroom, you got whatever it is, it's going to help me to understand where you're coming from. And it's going to help me to strengthen our relationship so that we can, so that I can stay, you can trust me and I can trust you. Um, and honestly, right now, especially the way things have been, I think something that's crucial is going the extra mile. I mean, I can't tell you how much our school has done for our students. Um, you know, working in the city, we work with a lot of students and families that are underprivileged and it, you know, we have a, a tough situation. I mean, I'm not, we're not the only school across the country that's dealing with this, but I can tell you this Buffalo public schools is massive and they, the rollout to get computers and this and that and everything else supplies, their stuff is really far away and it's very inconvenient for their, for their students to get a lot of their things. But our building, we have about, we are, we're a K to five building. We have a little, just under 1200 students in our building. And um, if our parents couldn't get there, my team, myself, we're going the extra mile. We're literally driving things to houses, dropping them off, giving them the support that they need um, on a daily basis almost. I mean, I, I can tell you, I probably put on at least a thousand miles this year, just dropping stuff, a thousand miles in my car this year, just dropping stuff off the houses. Um, when a laptop wasn't working or when they couldn't come to pick up their books or they, whatever, 
they're they needed a hotspot because they're they're they couldn't pay for their um internet for the month like whatever it is and we're we're doing the best that we can with what we got which i think most people are okay. at this point in time so um and i think the other big thing to me like being as far as like being a leader is treating each other with respect oh, yeah. treating treating everyone with with respect you know across the board and i look at that because there's no one beneath me there's no position beneath me. There's no person beneath me. Um, and I try and treat everyone with the same exact respect that I would want them to treat me with. And whether it's a janitor, whether it's a front office staff, whether it's a lunch worker, whether it's a teacher, whether it's an administrator, I'm going to treat you all the same because I want you to see who I am. And I'm going to, and that's just, that's the way that I work. That's the way that I operate. And I want you to feel comfortable coming to me about anything. And I want you to be what I want you to want to work with me as well. And I can tell you that in my time as a, just as a person in the workforce, my relationships with people have enabled me to, to get away with things at times, unfortunately, but also I've also had the opportunity to ask for favors yeah. a lot where if I needed something in a pinch, that people are like, oh, Mr. Mears, I got you. Don't worry about it. And I can tell you right now, if I walked into my building and anyone in my building, if I needed anything from anyone in my building, I would feel confident that they'd be willing to do it for me without hesitation. Um, so I think that's that to me, I'm not trying to like boost my own ego, but that's just the way that I operate. And I know how I feel around my like the staff that I work with, and my colleagues. We all have a good rapport and relationship with one another, and we would give each other the shirt off our backs we need to oh yeah you know no that's special so right. yeah so, so last last so. uh major question here so do you have any guiding principles that you live by either in life or your career you know i think that a lot of what we've talked about today is you know you know, i think having an open mind being a great listener forming friendships and relationships with people that you don't know because you never know when those opportunities or will, will someone will reach out to you or you'll need to reach out to them. Um, I think the thing is you got to, again, still be dependable and trustworthy uh, as a person, as a human being. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you should always be yourself no matter what. Um, and I guess finally, make sure you find time for yourself outside of your work life, outside of your home life, because you need that too. Everyone needs that own, their own little like side time to hang out with their friends, you know, doing our little Zoom meetings, stuff like that. Those are the things that I think help everyone to continue to grow because you can just have those conversations and be open with your friends and just do something small, just to get your mind off of the daily grind and, and maybe the stressors that you got going on. But, uh, you know, I think that you got to just be true to yourself and, and do the best you can when you when given the opportunity oh, yeah, as well. Oh, yeah. That's so. a, that's great advice. So uh, what about we'll go back to track. So what's your craziest, most amazing thing you have ever seen at a track and field meet? But, man, <laughs> there's there's a lot, you know, that, I think one of the biggest, the, the craziest ones that I had seen was back in high school, actually. I don't know if you know the name Lauren Williams or not, yep. but um, 
She was from north of Pittsburgh, a little in, in Rochester, Pennsylvania. And she came to States and man, she was lightning on that oh. track. So, I mean, she was a, a four-time, I, I don't know how many gold medalists at States she was, but at that, tra- at her senior track meet, watching her, she did the four by one, the four by four, I believe. And the one and the two, her four by four, she, I don't know how far behind she was, but <laughs> she was so far behind everybody and she smoked the field coming back through as the anchor. I mean, it was incredible to see. I mean, I'm sure you probably saw that. What was it? Michigan, that, that 400 oh, yeah. track star, something like that. It was very similar to oh, that, wow. honestly, but it was back in high school and it was at the state championship. So, I mean, to me, that's one that always stands out to me. Um, you know, seeing some of these other Olympic throwers at meets and just like like seeing how far I throw and then seeing how much further they, they actually throw um, just because of how like technically sound they are and how explosive they are. Um, but I mean, I, I, there's just so many that I can think of that just really stand out to me. Uh, as far as like amazing experience, like amazing uh, performances, uh, I can't even name them. <laughs> That's like, there's just too there's oh, yeah. too many because I just like, my mind goes all over the place. But the, the Lauren Williams one, I think, was pretty special to me too because like looking back at it, I always thought to myself, "Damn, she's going to be yep. really good." And she ended up being Olympian and a silver medalist in the Olympics. So yep. <laughs> I think that's pretty oh, solid. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so. Flory and you met freshman year in college. So obviously you've, you've mentioned her plenty of times now. Uh, she's played a huge role, obviously, as your wife and supported you through thick and thin throughout your career change and just your life in general. But what about any other shout outs? Uh, well, of course, I got the shout out to you again. So happy birthday one more time. Yeah. So thank you for having me out here. And I hope you have a wonderful birthday and a snow day at that. Um, you know, obviously, I'm going to shout out to Joe, my, my main man, Joe Clauder, out there. Um, you know, I'm, I've been missing our dates the past few the past few years because he got his new positions over at Fairfield. But we had some some uh, pretty epic uh, hangout sessions whenever he would come to Buffalo. Um, you know, I think our whole crew of friends that, that has been jumping on those Zoom meetings has been great hanging out with the guys. Um, you know. I, you know, I have a few other friends that, you know, again, that I can truly say that are my friends and I can pick up exactly where I left off. And so those true friends that are out there that, especially for anybody, uh, thank you. Um, my parents for being a great um, support system for me throughout my childhood and my career as well. My boys for bringing a smile to my face on a daily basis. Drive me a little crazy too. Um, and again, just ending with, with Flory, you know, she's been you know, the, the glue that's kind of held the family together in tough times and, you know, really made things go for us. So um, I'm really happy with everything that's going on in my life right now, which could be a little bit better with uh, COVID, but I can't truly complain about much of anything. Um, and again, thank you, CJ, for bringing me on today. Uh, I appreciate that. And thank you for joining me today as well. It's been fun, man. My next episode, I will have yet another guest on with me, and we will be talking about his life as a professional runner and all of his crazy stories. My guest started 
his academic and running career at Clarion University, actually, and then finished at California University of Pennsylvania. As I sign off with this show, you know I love my quotes, and here is today's quote. It is from C.S. Lewis, who was a British writer, and he said, You can't go back and change the beginning, but can start where you are and change the ending. Thanks for listening to Off the Track with C.J. Ecolano. Until next time. Let's 